Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. How many of you are missionaries this morning? Let me see your hands. If you're a Christian, you are a missionary. You may not be called to an international location or even to uh, another state within our great country. But as Christians, we are all missionaries doing mission work for our King. Good morning. It's great to be with you. I'm so happy to have this opportunity to share with you during this Sunday morning worship service. And thank you for your interest and involvement in being here. This morning, we're going to be thinking about involvement in missions. You've been talking about missions now for some time. You have a mission team right now in Guatemala sharing Christ. And so we have opportunity to support them as we think about missions today. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And in these verses, we find the commissioning service for the very first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul and his team realized that this journey would not be easy, but they knew that it was a mandate from God. You know, sometimes it's important for us to understand how things got started. And so these are the beginning days of missionary work. And they were set in motion by God himself. This was not an idea of the Apostle Paul, but it was something that God laid upon his heart along with those who were with him. So we're going to be thinking about these verses today. So if you have your Bibles open, let's look now at Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrena, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. This commissioning service revealed a people who had a heart for missions. They saw it as something that God wanted them to do. They believed that it was the will of God for them to be involved in missions. I remember as a student at Mars Hill College, now called Mars Hill University, and was in that school to get a business education so that I might make money, just to be honest with you. I wanted to learn everything I could about business so that I could be successful, and many of you have been in that similar situation. But during that time in college, God spoke to my heart and he said, I don't want you to go into the business of the world. I want you to go into the business of the kingdom. I want you to be a pastor. And so I surrendered to God. I told him, yes, I went ahead under uh, what I thought was his guidance and instruction of other Christian people to finish out that degree program and then went into the seminary to get the theological training that was necessary, but got into what I felt was what God had laid upon my heart. And then in 1983, God 
change the direction in ministry and call me from the pastorate into associational missions. And I've been in associational missions now for 33 years and so glad that day three is a part of our local Caldwell Baptist Association. But as we think about the call into missions, it's something that God lays upon our heart. It's not something that we come up with our own thoughts, but it's something that he speaks to us as he did to these people and calls us into it. And as we get involved in missionary work, we're going to find that there are four major components as we think about missions and involvement in it. There is the component of learning and the component of praying and the component of giving and finally the component of going. And we're going to look at each of these this morning as we think about this passage of scripture. So let's look at the first one. Missions involves learning. Now, regardless of what you do in life, it takes a little bit of learning to know how to do it. For example, if you are to mow the grass, you've got to know how to crank that lawnmower, turn that key to get the lawnmower started. Uh, You've got to understand that you mow the grass and not the flowers. You've got to learn that you go around shrubs and not through them. All those things are important when you're mowing grass. Or it may be like driving a car. We had to go through driver's education in order to qualify to get a license to, to drive an automobile. You had to pass the test to be able to identify all those different road signs in order to get your driver's license. So you had to learn. Someone had to teach you uh, what a stick shift is or how you put it from park to drive or whatever is necessary to get the vehicle that you drive going. And then you've got to obey the laws as you go down the highway and hope that there's not a blue light special in your rearview mirror someday. Even washing dishes takes a little bit of learning. You've got to realize it takes some soap and warm water and uh, you've got to uh, make sure that you wash them and dry them and drain them and all that kind of stuff and make sure that everything is put in its proper place. Well, Paul and his companions learned about missionary service. They learned that there would be joys and heartaches as they went about this work. Joys and heartaches? Well, certainly. When you have opportunity to lead someone to faith in Christ, there's no joy that can you can describe it. It's, it's an indescribable experience in your life to be able to hear someone pray the prayer to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. But it's also heartbreaking when you share the gospel with, with an individual and they say, no, I'm not interested. I'm an agnostic. I don't know if there is a God or not. Or I'm an atheist and believe that there is not a God. Oh, how heartbreaking that is. Because Paul and his companions realized that there would be those who said yes and there would be those who would say no. But through it all, through it all, they learned that a steadfast commitment would be necessary for the good days as well as the bad days. And Paul went through some pretty rough days. Here in this passage, he's called Saul, but later we see that his name was turned to Paul. And Paul was a person who found himself beaten for sharing Christ. He was a man who found himself in prison. Here was an individual who was in shipwrecks. He was a man that was bitten by a serpent. 
He was a man that went through all kinds of experiences, but it was his steadfast commitment in Christ that helped him to keep on going. And my friends, that's what's going to help you tomorrow morning as you get up and go back to work or whatever you have to do. That's what's going to help you as, as the week progresses and you've had to deal with some sensitive issues or for some things that were very challenging. It's that steadfast commitment in Christ that's going to help you to get through it all. That's what's helping your mission team today is there in Guatemala. That steadfast commitment of knowing that they're where God wants them to be today, sharing the greatest story that could ever be told, the story of Christ, the gospel, with people there who need to hear it so strongly. Paul's first missionary journey blazed the way for a life of commitment for the church I want to share some words with you from a former pastor. His name is the Reverend Edward Hughes Prudent. And he said some very profound things that I think we need to hear in the 21st century church. He said, every church is the product of someone's missionary activity. Now think about that again. Every church is the product of someone's missionary activity. Every church is a monument to the missionary impulse. Every church should be reminded whether it's located in the heart of Africa or in the center of Washington, D.C., that it has been set down in the midst of a mission field. And then he said, every church should be reminded that it has fallen heir to the great commission that Christ gave to his disciples long ago. That speaks true for the time and the congregations to which this man preached, but it also speaks well to us in the 21st century as well. If someone had not gotten a heartbeat for Day 3 Church, it would not be here today. If there had not been those, that core group that had worked so hard to make it happen, it would not be here today. But it is, and it's growing and doing great. And God is being honored because of all that is going on. Paul and his commitments, Paul and his companions, rather, they realized that they had a great work to do, but they lacked the resources that you and I enjoy today. Think for a moment. How do you think travel was in the first century? How did, how did Paul and his group get around probably? They walked, that's right. They may have had an animal here and there that they could ride, but for the most part, they walked. How do we get around today? We ride in our cars or our motorcycles or we take planes or ships or whatever, but travel is so much easier and better today. Think about communication. How do you think Paul communicated with other people in other places in the first century? All right, letters, okay, or runners. If there was an urgent message that needed to be shared, then there was someone who was given either a, let, a letter or given instruction, and they started running to get to the person to deliver that important information. But how do we do it today? Oh, in many ways, <laughs> emails and so on and so forth. I mean, it's amazing the technology and the way that we're able to communicate with each other today. And so the resources are so much better today. We also have strong missionary organizations that support the mission work around the world. And we're blessed with that. Paul and his companions did not have that in that day because they were the ones who were 
the first missionaries. And so everything was brand new and early in its beginnings. But the early education that those folks learned and how that education has been added to through the years has given us what we enjoy today. And it helps us to see how important that missions involves learning. You know, as you learn about something, you begin to get a passion for it. As you learn about something, you begin to develop that that heart cry for it. And that's what that compassion is all about. And you begin to learn about people in different places of the world. And you begin to sense that there might be a need for you to go there, such as to Guatemala and to share Christ with the people face to face. When you learn about those missionary stories and you learn about the work that missionaries are doing around the world, it begins to tug on the heart and God's spirit uses that to help us maybe to go there or just to stay here and to share his wonderful gospel message. But there's a second dynamic truth that we need to learn about missions and that is missions involves praying. Mission activity was bathed in prayer by the first church there in Antioch. If you look there in verses two and three, I want you to notice what the Bible says to us about praying. As they ministered to the Lord, and what the word ministered there means as they were worshiping the Lord, as they were spending time with the Lord, and they were fasting, it was during that circumstance that the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Now notice, notice what they did after the Spirit spoke to them. Then they fasted and prayed some more. And then it's almost as if immediately, we don't know if it was the same day, but it was really fast after the Spirit spoke. They laid hands on them and sent them away. It may have been from that very worship service. The scripture, the the original language would almost give the idea that as soon as the spirit spoke, they entered into a time of praise and worship and then they laid hands on them and they sent them away because they were trying to be obedient to the Lord following that time of prayer. You know, there are several things, three specific areas where we need to pray when it comes to missionary work. First of all, We should pray for those on the field. Do you think missionaries need our prayers? Oh, yes. Amen. They do need our prayers. Missionaries depend upon the prayer support of people who are back home. They need that prayer support. Some of you may be familiar with some of the uh, uh, birthday prayer guides that uh, we have uh, that have uh, listed the names of missionaries on their birthday and we as Southern Baptists have the opportunity to pray for them on their, on their birthday. I've had testimonies or heard testimonies of missionaries who said, if I had a major decision to make around the time of my birthday, I would try to wait to make that decision after my birthday because I knew that thousands of people would be praying by name for me. And to have the power of God upon my life because of those prayers would help me to make that decision or those decisions much more easily. I want to tell you a story, and this story's in a couple of different parts, so kind of listen carefully, but it tells us how important it is for us to pray for missionaries. There was a couple who were asleep in their hut in Africa. 
They were out in the bush area. And if you're not familiar with the bush, uh, think about the word wilderness, and that'll help you to understand what the bush is like. And they were out there, and they were trying to reach the African people in that area with the gospel of Christ. But they were asleep in that hut. And all of a sudden, the wife woke up. And being a good wife, she nudged her husband. You ladies understand that, don't you? Honey, get up. There's something wrong. Please go take care of it. Well, that's what she did. Well, the husband just didn't jump right up. But being out in the bush in a very dangerous place where there's so many wild animals, he first got his flashlight and then a gun. And when he turned the flashlight on, right before them, ready to strike, was a king cobra snake. Now, hang on to that. One day in Canada, there was a woman who was sweeping her floor. All of a sudden, she became burdened for a missionary couple that she knew in Africa. She dropped her broom, she fell to her knees, and not knowing what the problem was, she began to pour out her heart to God on behalf of this missionary couple. When the urgency passed, she stood back up, got her broom, and started sweeping again. Fast forward a few months. Missionary couple from Africa visiting a lady living in Canada began to tell about a night when a king cobra came into their hut. You know the story. They began to compare the days. They began to compare the time zones and the difference in time. And they determined that at the moment that that woman felt the urgency to pray for them in that hut in Africa was the very time that that king cobra snake had come into their hut. I believe that through those prayers, there must have been an angel from God that came and poked the wife who poked the husband, got the gun and the light and took care of the snake. Do you think it's important for us to pray for missionaries? Oh, how we need to pray. We should pray for those who are on the field, but we also should pray for those who need to respond. You see, we don't go to the mission field just to see the sights. You're going to see sights, certainly, but that's not the motivation, or at least it should not be our purpose in going. Our purpose, purpose in going should be to introduce people to the gospel of Christ. And so we need to be praying for people who do not have Christ in their lives, that they might hear the message that the missionaries are sharing and say yes to Jesus. But you see, we don't have to just go to an international setting to do that. You've got friends who need to hear and respond to the gospel of Christ. And we need to pray for you as a local missionary, as you're sharing over coffee at a break at work or over lunch at work or in the school uh, when you have a chance to do so or in your neighborhood with a neighbor or maybe with someone in your family as you have opportunity. We need to pray for you that you'll have the courage, that you'll have the strength, that you'll have the words that you need to share that gospel message. And we need to pray for those that you're sharing that gospel with that they will respond and say yes to Jesus. But you see, there's a third area where we need to pray as well. 
And that is we should pray for those who need to hear the call of Christ. Jesus said the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. We need to pray for those people as well. You see, there are people maybe sitting under the sound of my voice this morning that God has been touching your heart and maybe nudging you into some kind of missionary work. Maybe you've got somebody on your mind this morning that you know is lost and you really need the prayer support of your church family as you go out to share the gospel with them. Oh, my friends, we need to pray for those who are already on the field. We need to pray for those who need to hear, but we also need to pray that there will be those who will respond to the call like Paul and Silas did and go out and do mission work. Well, we've looked at a couple of things here, but let's look at a third dynamic truth We've looked at missions involves learning. We've looked at missions involves praying, and you knew I'd get around to it. Missions involves giving. But you see, when we think about giving, it's more than just giving dollars. It's giving ourselves. It's giving of other resources such as time that we have. You know, the whole stewardship of life is about all of life, not just certain parts of it such as money. The scripture doesn't say... But I imagine that this church at Antioch, as these early missionaries were setting out, they probably gave them some money, they probably gave them some food, and maybe some other provisions to take along on the journey. The early church believed in missions, and they gave sacrificially as well as voluntarily. I want you to notice that we can give through special offerings, Your church has given to many special offerings to help specific needs, and that's a great thing. And I know you'll be doing more and more of that as all churches do. That's just what church is about. But we can also give to some special offerings that I know you're familiar with. You are probably familiar with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. You may not be familiar with Lottie Moon, though. Lottie Moon was a a lady that grew up in Virginia Her sister had gone on to China as a missionary and asked Lottie to come and join her. Her sister couldn't stay, but Lottie chose to stay and to work with the women and the children in China. And Lottie was a person who really shared Christ. And she wrote letters back to the churches and said, please give, please encourage others to come here and help to do this mission work. And the reason that we celebrate the Lottie Moon Christmas offering at Christmas is because Lottie had become very sick. And she was on a ship heading back home and she died in the uh, harbor of Kobe, Japan on Christmas Eve. And so it was said to remember her in a special way to take up this offering every Christmas uh, for international mission work. And then there was a lady named Vanny Armstrong. She was the first uh, leader of the Women's Missionary Union for the Southern Baptist Convention. Used to be up in Baltimore, Maryland. And she was a lady who worked awfully hard on trying to reach Indians in our country in the time in which she lived. And she would also write letters, encourage people to give money and to help in the work of reaching those Native Americans. 
And of course, we have the state missions offering. There's associational mission giving. And you folks are so good about your giving. And I commend you for that. We also can give through a unified plan, and that's called the cooperative program that was started in 1925. And the purpose of that was to support all of our work in Southern Baptist life. Over 50% of it goes to our international mission board. Around 22, 23% of it goes to our North American mission board. We help to support those who are studying for the ministry in our six Southern Baptist seminaries. And there is a host of other things that that money goes to support. So we have the opportunity to give. But as I started into this point, don't think giving just deals with money. It, gives, it deals with giving our lives to the Lord. You know, the first step is to surrender to him as our Lord and Savior, to invite him to come into our hearts, to take control of our lives, to be the Lord of our lives. Yes, he's gone to prepare a wonderful place for us in heaven, but he wants us to surrender or give our lives, our hearts to him. Have you done that? That's something that we, we, we do. It's something that takes forever. I mean, from the standpoint that once we've done it, it's, we're there, we're saved, we're part of his family forever is what I mean by that. But the Lord wants us to give ourselves. He wants us to give ourselves daily to him as he serves as the Lord of our lives. So mission involves learning. It involves praying. It involves giving. And the final component is mission involves going. I want you to notice something important in our text today about going. We should go as the spirit leads us. Look, if you will, again at verse 2. As they ministered, as they worshiped to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work. Now get this last phrase, to which I have called them. You see, this first missionary journey was not Paul's idea. This first missionary journey was what the Lord laid upon Paul's heart. And upon the heart of Silas as well. We should always go as the Spirit leads us. But my friends, we should also go because there is a tremendous need. Do you realize that in North America, three out of every four people on the average that you encounter are unsaved? 75% of the people on this continent are unbelievers. I was in Vermont on a mission trip week before last. And it broke my heart to see the lostness. And the pastors there kept talking about the spiritual darkness. I was talking just earlier with one of you here in the service about the West Coast. And I have my son and daughter-in-law are out there and uh, your associate pastor's son and family were out there until recently and have moved this way. But as we talked this morning, we talked about the spiritual darkness. You know, we're in the Bible Belt, but there's spiritual darkness here too. And my friends, 
we should go because of the tremendous need. You know, it's easier to pray. It's easier to study. It's even easier to give. But when we're asked to go, sometimes we we count the cost, don't we? We need to be willing to say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready for service. I'm ready to go. I read a story one time by Walter Knight that said there was a one-legged school teacher from Scotland who volunteered to go to China as a missionary. J. Hudson Taylor asked the man, why would you with only one leg consider going to the mission field? And George Scott, the man with the one leg said, it's because I don't see those with two legs volunteering. If a man with one leg was willing to go because he said others who are more able are not going, what does that say to us today? You know, are we, are we, looking, are we looking to others to do the work? Are we willing to join others in getting the job done? You know, it has been said that every heart without Christ is a mission field and every heart with Christ is a missionary. Do you realize that God may have given you the job that you have because it's the mission field to which he has called you? Do you realize that the place where you live, God may have provided that home because it's the mission field to which he has called you? You thought it's a place to live, but God looks at it as a mission field. You thought it's a place to work, but God looks at it as a mission field. You may be going to a school that you may think, I chose that school, but it may be that God has led you to that school because it's the mission field to which he has called you. Just as the Spirit called Paul and Barnabas to the mission field, he said, this is where I'm sending you. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. My friends, it's not about us. It's all about him. And we've got to be on mission for him and do what he tells us to do. As we come to this time of invitation this morning, it may be that God has been speaking to you and and the heartbeat of missions begins with our inviting Christ to be our Lord and Savior. We can't be a missionary if we don't have Christ in our hearts because we've got nothing to tell people because we've not experienced it ourselves. But if you have never received Christ, I'd invite you this morning to come forward. I'll be happy to talk with you and pray with you and help you to understand what it means to become a Christian. But it may be that you've been a Christian for a long time, but are you living like it? Are you on mission for Christ? Do people know that you're one of his. When there's a problem at work or in school or in the place where you live, do they think about you as the one who has an answer from Christ to share? Someone that they could come to and to receive a prayer to know that there's someone like you who cares because they love Jesus. This morning, I'll stand here, and if you need to have someone to pray with you, I'll be happy to do that. But I'm just the messenger boy today, and so it's okay with me if you bypass me and just come and kneel at this altar because God is the one who can transform your life. I can't do that, but he can. But as we stand to our feet, as we have a song of invitation, 
If God's Spirit is speaking to you, if He's asking you to move, if He's asking you to do something, you do it for His honor and for your glory as we stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.